Good morning, y'all. I'm Pastor Stephen, and uh, I'm excited today to open up the Bible for us. Um, the Bible is, it's such a gift. It is such a gift to us because it teaches us things that we would never think on our own. It gives us thoughts, it gives us perspectives, and uh, it helps us understand things that we would just never come to uh, on our own. Um, God speaks to us in ways that help shape and guide our lives and all of it is designed, all of it's designed by God so that we could live in a relationship with him. And so we're, we're in a message series. It's called Living in God's Presence. Um, we want to live as though God is with us. We want our lives filled with his love and his power. And so we're going to start by reading Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. They're in your bulletins. Um, there are also slides that will be up on the screen God says this to us. He says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So these verses, they, they highlight a dichotomy. They highlight a, a dichotomy in the world between spirit and flesh. And, and these two ideas, spirit and flesh, these are so important um, spirit and flesh, actually, we saw last week, they refer to two different worlds. Two different worlds. Flesh is the title for a world that acts without God. Okay, so when you see the word flesh, it's not just talking about things that are physical. It's not, it's not saying that, oh, the physical things are the flesh. That's not what it is. Um, it's, it's the world that acts without God. Okay, that's what the flesh is. The flesh represents a world that acts without God. And this is the world that we're all born into, a world that's broken and full of sin and selfishness. And some of that sin is stuff that's done to us. Some of that sin is things that we bring, that we contribute. Uh, and so spirit, on the other hand, spirit is a title for the new world that God is building. Okay, there's this other world that God is building in the middle of this world of the flesh. Um, and so spirit refers to the world that is filled with God. It's a world filled with God, filled with his love and his care, his justice and mercy. And in God's world of the spirit, people serve him. They obey him and they are filled with his Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, you have the, the day of Pentecost. And in the, on that day, God's spirit was poured out into God's people. The Holy Spirit brought God's new world into our world. And the Holy Spirit is poured out on everyone who believes in Jesus. And this is pictured and it's preached to us when we are baptized. And so these two worlds, the world of flesh and spirit, they, they overlap. So you've got that diagram, it's in your bulletin. We'll pull it up on the screen. These two worlds, the new world and the old world, they overlap. And the new world of the Spirit began with the resurrection of Jesus and this outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And now these two worlds, 
they collide in us. These two worlds collide in us. And so we are born into the present evil age of flesh. And as Christians, at the same time, we are born again into the age to come of the Spirit. And so this is what creates this this, this war that's going on between the spirit and the flesh in the passage in Romans 8 that we're reading today. And so these two worlds collide and they collide in our souls. And you feel this, don't you? I mean, I feel this. There's this battle between what we know is right and then what we do. You know, often we have a desire to do what's right, but we don't have the ability to carry it out. That's what the guy who wrote half the New Testament said, the war but in his own soul, the struggle that he felt So if you're struggling today, if you're not what you wish you were, you're not alone. The Bible makes room for you. And it's describing this as this this war between the spirit and the flesh. These two worlds that collide in our souls. These worlds compete and they fight for our allegiance. And so part of the present world um, Man, it tempts us. It tempts us to ignore God. It tempts us to, like, to, to ignore the world that God is building. But as Christians, we have the love and the power of Jesus. And it's powerful enough to overcome the sin and the flesh in our lives. And so looking back at verse 5, this verse says that there are people who live according to the flesh. And so what this means is these are people uh, who live as though the flesh is most real. Okay, there are people who live and they serve the flesh. They serve this present evil age. They serve their sin or they are dominated by sin. Um, That's the most real force in their lives. And then this passage also says that there are people who live according to the Spirit according to the spirit. And these are people who live in the presence of God. They live and act as though God and his new world are the most real things about them. Now, we want to live in the new world, right? We want to live in God's world. We want to live in this world full of God's spirit. And the question is, how do we do this? Like, how do we do this? How do we live in God's presence if we are in both worlds, right? The little figure there, he's in the present evil age and he's in the age to come at the same time. So how do we experience more of God's world? Well, the answer in this passage is your mindset. The answer that this passage gives is that it's what you think about. So today's message is called your your mindset is key. Your mindset is key. You know, we see this in this passage. There's a, there's a mind that's set on the flesh. There's a mind that's set on the spirit. And so in this war going on in your soul, you determine the outcome of that war by what you think about. You determine the outcome of this war by what you think about. Did you know this? I mean, did you understand this? That this war going on, that you are a participant in the war and you tip the scales in both directions based on what you think about. Did you know that what you think about actually determines who you are? 
This is so powerful. Setting your mind on the things of the flesh, it means to think about things from this present evil age. It's to spend time thinking about uh, this world. It's, it's thinking about, it's, it's feasting on things in life that don't include God or God's ways. That's what it means to set your mind on the things of the flesh. You focus, you think about things that don't include God. And the more that you fill your life with ideas and practices that don't include your relationship with God, the more you become like the world that doesn't include God. Make sense? I mean, we make decisions every day that fill our minds with one of these two worlds or the other. The most profitable companies in the world know this. We live in an an attention-based culture. And companies spend huge amounts of money to influence what you pay attention to. Like you don't even understand how much money, you don't understand how many things you experience for free because people are paying you for your attention. Right, if you've seen, what's that, 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 that Netflix documentary that just came out, The Social Dilemma? If you haven't seen it, you gotta watch it. Um, it, is, it's, it is a powerful inside look into the way that, that companies manipulate us to get our attention. You know, and one of the phrases that like shocked me, and, but it's so true, is that if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. Right? The reason why Google gives you so many services, the reason why you have a phone that does all these things and all these apps are free is because you are the product. And they monitor your attention because your attention is so incredibly valuable. Um, this year, today, right, in four or five hours, what is it, 9.30, in six hours, in six hours, the Super Bowl will air right? And there's 40 to 50 commercials that are slotted to air during the three hour, three and a half hour Super Bowl. The average price for a 30 second commercial is $5.5 million. That's insane. Why would you spend five and a half million dollars so that you could present an ad for 30 seconds? It's because what you see affects what you think about. And what you think about affects how you act. And how you act affects who you are. And this is exactly what God is saying. If you set your mind on certain things, you live by those things. And so God is saying to us in this passage, what you pay attention to is the most important thing in your life. And the good news for us right now is no matter where you are, if you feel like you would love to experience more of God's presence, you can take a step in that direction starting today. Because what you pay attention to will determine whether you experience God in your life or not. 
Some of you feel like you live in God's presence. And some of you feel really far from God. This passage tells us why. And it tells us we don't want to set our mind on the things of the flesh. And so let's ask that question. What are things of the flesh? I think some of you might already be percolating kind of a sense of what things of the flesh are. But I feel like there's really three elements to things of the flesh. Um, There are first immoral behavior and lusts. So when we set our minds on immoral behavior, and these are bad things that don't love God, that don't love other people. Um, We set our mind on things that feed our lusts. This is typically what people think of when they think about sin. Um, And we don't want to pay attention to these things. We don't want to consume these things or they will consume us. Now, things of the flesh can also be, too, ways that the present evil age operates. Okay? So what what do I mean here? Well, like putting your desires ahead of the desires of others. Lying to get away with something. Um, Stepping on people to get ahead. Doing things that are wrong because you know that you won't get caught. These are things that are like the air that we breathe in the world around us. You know, if it feels good, do it. Don't worry about the consequences. If you can get away with it, then who cares, right? Doing wrong things at work because you know you're not going to get caught, cutting corners at work. Um, Here's another one. Living as though this life is all that there is. This is a thing of the flesh. This is part of the world that that, that lives without God. So these things, they cut ourselves off from God's presence. And so when we pay attention to these things, like we don't want to do that. We don't want to pay attention to these things. We don't want to consume these things or they will consume us. Last category of things of the flesh that I want to mention is, this is third, moral behavior without Jesus. Moral behavior without Jesus. Because remember, God is building a new world in the middle of this world. And the Bible calls it the age to come. This is God's new world. It's, he calls it a kingdom. And this kingdom is ruled by Jesus. Jesus is the king of God's new world. And so God's kingdom is not good people doing good deeds. God's kingdom is built by people who are following Jesus and are following his ways. And so things of the flesh aren't just bad behavior. It's any behavior that's not following Jesus. Because if you're not following Jesus, then you're actually not participating in the world that God is building. And so immorality is a thing of the flesh. Self-righteousness is a thing of the flesh. But also any kind of goodness without God is a thing of the flesh. In God's eyes, goodness without Jesus isn't really goodness. And sometimes we can forget this. Now, this doesn't mean that people who aren't Christians are bad people. In fact, quite the opposite. Sometimes people who aren't Christians are better people than people who are Christians. But this is why it says in verses 6 and 7, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God. 
it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Like God's law is God's instruction. And for us, God's law is the gospel, which says that Jesus is the savior of the world and the king of God's new world, that Jesus is the name above every name. And that God is building something under the authority of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, like that's the world that God is building. And so people that aren't submitting to the authority of Jesus are in the flesh and they cannot please God. So these people don't please God because they're not interested in a relationship with God through Jesus. And so we'll experience more of God's presence when we stop setting our mind on the things of the flesh. So I just want to ask, it's like it's sort of a diagnostic question. Like how much time do you spend every day focused on things of the flesh? I mean, how much time, how many, like how many times in a week do you focus on immorality? Um, how many times, you know, during a week, during a month, are you focused on ways that the world operates without God? I mean, sometimes our greatest sin is just that we ignore him. You know, that we live our lives and we just don't care about him. Now, all of this leads to death. Like all of this, this is a life that doesn't last and it's heading toward judgment. And it hurts people. It hurts us. It hurts the people that we interact with um, when we live without God, we cut ourselves off from his love, his peace, his kindness, his joy, and then his power. So what can we do about this? What can we do about this? Well, there's action steps that we can take like this week, literally this week. Um, first, I want you to run to Jesus in the gospel. Like you can run to Jesus as he's offered in the gospel. Friends, the gospel, it, it melts our hearts and it gives us hope. I mean, so often, so often in our lives, we struggle because we feel guilty or we feel shame. And when we feel guilt and shame, we look away from Jesus. We have this sense of like, I'm not good enough to go to Jesus. because we think that when we see him, he will condemn us. I was in a group of men this week and we were talking about how guilt and shame keep us far away from God. And one of the guys in the group said that guilt has a longing and the longing of guilt is forgiveness. Shame has a longing and the longing that, of shame is acceptance. And so guilt longs for forgiveness. Shame longs for acceptance. Friends, all of us fall short of what's expected. All of us fall short of God's standards. And then shame comes and makes us feel like an outsider. Shame comes and makes us feel like there's no hope for us. Like we are uniquely screwed up. We feel like this outsider looking in. But friends, in the gospel, 
in the gospel, like Jesus tries to capture our averted gaze. It's like we can't look at him. We're busy looking. We're doing other things. We're, we're, we're busying ourselves because we can't face him. And Jesus says, hey, 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 stop. Wait, look, 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 look at me. I love you. I know everything that you've done. I know the ways that you've avoided me. And it's okay. It's okay. I love you. I feel like God is constantly trying to get our attention. This morning, a couple hours ago, I, I drove up to church and I was on 16th Street getting ready to uh, open the sliding garage door. And I got out of my car and, um, and there was a gal that was on the parklet. And uh, I got out of my car and I was kind of walking over toward her. I just wanted to say hello. And immediately she was like so ashamed and apologetic because all of her stuff was everywhere. And she just started moving her stuff. And before I could say anything to her, She's telling me how she's going to move her stuff. And it'll be gone soon as possible. And I just looked at her and I said, hey, what's your name? And she told me. And I said, you're welcome here. You don't have to move your stuff. I said, I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor of the church that meets here. And in a couple of hours, we're going to meet for worship on the other side of the building. On 17th Street, there's a back lot, and we all gather. And I would love for you to come and join us. And she just broke down in tears. She said that she felt so far from God that she wanted to come back. And I, I, and I prayed for her. And as I was praying for her, she jumped in with her own prayers and was confessing her sin and giving her life back to Jesus. As a loving father does for his children, like Jesus reaches his hand out when our gaze is averted and he just, he catches us on the chin to draw our gaze back to him. Like Jesus takes his hands and he cups our faces so that we can turn our gaze to see him smiling at us because he loves us. He knows the sins that have made us feel separated from him. And he died for them. He says the punishment, it's already been extracted, like your debt has been paid, and I love you. Come back to me. Jesus invites us to look at him in his face. He says that we can look at him with our shame and with our guilt 
Because on the cross, he looked at us with love. And so we set our minds on Jesus because he set his heart on us. And friends, this is how a relationship with Jesus starts. This is how it restarts. So, run to Jesus in the gospel. Um, That connects us to Jesus. It reconnects us to Jesus. It calls us back if we're not living in the presence of God. Um, And then second, I want you to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Like that's what this passage is teaching us to do. This means focus on God and what God has revealed to us about himself in the Bible. Romans 12.2 says it almost in a very similar way, but it's complimentary here. It just says, don't be conformed to this world, right? Don't be conformed to the flesh. Don't let the flesh press you into its mold and make you like it, but be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind. So again, it's your mindset. The way that we change, the way that we grow, the way that our lives change is what we think about. We want to fill our minds and hearts with the gospel and with the word of God. And so you want to devote yourselves to the things of the spirit. I mean, this is why we pray. It's so that you can set your mind on the reality that there's a God and he loves you. It's so that you can orient your life and you can talk to God about what does he want for you and how does he want you to live? right? Being led by the Spirit, living for the Spirit is asking God, where do you want me to go? How do you want me to respond? Is there something in my life that you want me to change? And so it looks like walking, setting your mind on the things of the Spirit produces a life that looks as though you are filled with the Spirit. Okay, then third, third, you need to have people who both accept and challenge you. You need to have people in your life who both accept you and challenge you. Okay? You got to have both. This is what like friendship, spiritual friendship is for. This is what community around us is for. If you don't have people in your life who both accept you and all of your warts and sins and problems and addictions and issues, and also encourage you and challenge you to grow as a follower of Jesus, you're missing out. You're missing out. You need people that can do both for you. I think everyone knows the feeling of you got caught. But do you know the feeling of someone knowing your dark spots? and loving you anyways. People who can say, hey, look, maybe, we're, maybe we'll just try again tomorrow. You know what? Maybe you just confess your sin and you try again tomorrow. And hey, are there some places in the Bible that if you could memorize them and commit them into your spirit that you might respond differently? You know, like we need both the acceptance 
and the encouragement, the challenge to grow. And I guess I just, I want to make a special call out to all of the leaders in our church. So I'm thinking about staff, I'm thinking about elders, I'm thinking about elder advisors, I'm thinking about our life group leaders, I'm thinking about parents, I'm thinking about if God has used you in someone else's life to encourage them, then then you're a leader. And I just want to ask all of our leaders, could you make an effort this week to try to be someone like this, to model this? acceptance and challenge, acceptance and encouragement to someone else. Because there's people in our church who need this. And maybe you're going to be the one to, to help them experience it. All right, last thing. Last thing. This week, I want to encourage you to study the two worlds of Romans 5 through 8. Okay, so there's four chapters here, and these four chapters are all about the overlapping of these two worlds, okay? Um, this week, I went through the, these sections, and I identified the two worlds, and I highlighted them on, in Word. I put the world of the flesh, the present evil age, I put that in yellow, and then the world to come, the age to come, the age of the spirit, um, I put in green. And it's just, it's really interesting to see this visually, to see how in this passage, um, both of these worlds exist simultaneously. And we it says we were part of this old world and now we're part of this new world. And yet there's both of these things happening at the same time. And I just, I want to encourage you to study these things. You know the present evil age well by experience. And so study the new world that exists, that's been born in you. Study and learn about the spirit of God that now lives in you and you will experience God's presence in your life. Man, because what could you become? Like, what could you become if your mind was set on God's spirit and the reality of God's presence in you? How might you build this new world and expand the love and the grace, the justice and the mercy of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your love and your grace in the gospel. We all confess that we have set our mind on the things of the flesh we ask you to forgive us and we thank you for your love. We thank you for drawing our averted gaze back to you. We thank you that when we see you, you're smiling and your eyes are filled with love, care, encouragement, and that even the challenge is an expression of your love. I pray, Jesus, that you would meet those who are here who don't know you and invite them into a relationship with you and that you would encourage all of us to return to you and to set our mind on the gospel and the things that you are doing so that we can be a part of it. 
We love you and we praise you. Jesus, in your name, amen.